You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your What's team going on, guys? every Welcome day. Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Brought to you by NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. What's going on, everybody? Billy Rossetti with you guys here on another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. couple notes here we're going to touch on, including... Uh, we'll t- talk a little bit about Mike Davis, uh, a little bit of an intriguing story we heard today regarding uh, the Chargers quarterback situation and uh, the actual reason why Tyrod Taylor did not play on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs and why he will not play this Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, so we got those couple things to talk about. We'll talk about the injury report. Uh, but the first thing we're going to talk about is some exciting news for fans down in Charlotte, and that is that fans will be welcomed back to Bank of America Stadium starting in Week 4. There was some talk, of course, when we said that there would be no fans in Week 1, but there was that gap, of course, with the Panthers being on the road in both Weeks 2 and 3 for the possibility that fans would be back in the stadium by week four. And sure enough, that was made official yesterday as North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper announced on Tuesday that he will allow a capacity of 7% starting Friday, October 2nd for large venues with a seating capacity of more than 10,000. So obviously, Bank of America Stadium falls into that category And the game against the Arizona Cardinals falls, of course, two days later on October 4th. So that means that a little over 5,200 fans will be allowed in attendance for the Panthers for that October 2nd game against the Arizona Cardinals. The stadium normally seats uh, 74,000. 867 people. So obviously a stepping stone. And, you know, we're seeing that, of course, with a lot of NFL teams. A lot of these teams are starting to gradually let fans back in at a a limited capacity and then kind of expanding that limit as the season wears on. We saw on Thursday night with the Cleveland Browns that they had about, I think, about 6,000 fans uh, somewhere in that area. Um, I think the Bengals are also going to have home uh fans at home when they play their next home game which i think is week four um they're they're on the road this week i know that against the the eagles uh so they might be home against week four but i think they got um they got acceptance or you know for lack of a better term to have fans at their stadium a bunch of other teams the titans uh we saw the jaguars of course in week one A a lot of these teams are starting to slowly bring fans in and now you can add the Panthers to that list which is uh which is very exciting. Uh quote here from a team spokesman saying, "We are excited to welcome some fans back to Bank of America Stadium beginning October 4th and we thank the state of North Carolina, the city of Charlotte and Mecklenburg County for partnering with us in these efforts. We have worked for months to develop and implement a responsible and comprehensive plan for the return of fans, and we are confident that it will ensure that the game day experience is as is enjoyable and as safe as possible. And of course, he went on to say we will continue 
to follow guidelines provided by the CDC, local and state government, as well as the National Football League, and will be prepared uh, to adjust their policies as necessary, unquote. Uh, you know, they haven't officially announced how many fans will be allowed at that October 7th game, but um, like I said earlier with some of these teams, the plan is that over the course of the season they can increase the number of fans in attendance and uh, also increase the areas of stadium or uh, the areas of the stadium that will be available for seating. So now the question too, and you know, uh, shout out to Charlotte Observer, the article I'm checking out here uh, for for this information. So yeah, the big question now is how do the Panthers pick which fans will go to games? And this is uh, what they wrote in the article uh, from the Charlotte Observer. Uh, written by Elena Getzenberg. So um, a quick shout out to her and a hat tip for her, for her. She wrote, in July, PSL owners were given the option of opting out of their ticket plans this season while maintaining their PSL ownership for future years. More than 50% of owners took that approach. Those who decided to keep their tickets for this year were contacted Tuesday, and they will have the opportunity to attend two home games this year with the option of choosing between three sets of games. Those uh, those sets are October 18th against the Bears and January 3rd against the, against the Saints, October 29th against the Falcons, and December 13th against the Broncos, or November 15th against the Buccaneers, and November 22nd against the Detroit Lions, with tickets to the October 4th game against the Cardinals available as an additional option. So if you're out there and you didn't hear this news yet, uh, but obviously you've been contacted, but just as a reminder uh, for those that may have missed it. So again, fans will have three sets of options to choose from as their two games. Plus they can go to the Cardinals game as an additional option. So again, the, the three sets are, you can either go to their games against the Bears and the Saints on October 18th and January 3rd, the Falcons and the Bucks, Falcons and the Broncos, Falcons October 29th, Broncos December 13th, and then the third set, November 15th against the Buccaneers, and November 22nd against the Lions. Fans will sit, and again from Elena, fans will sit in the same seats for both games with available inventory currently in the 100 and 200 level. Tickets will be selected in the order of tenure, with those who have had their PSLs the longest getting first choice seats and that's that's obviously a fair way to do it you know have have the seniority factor in this so I, I like that idea of having uh those have that have been around the longest as uh as the, the getting the first crack at these tickets especially with how limited it is because that was that was always obviously the big question is who do you let in first uh, and then she writes tickets will be distributed in pods to support physical distancing with pods of two to five people, the exact number determined by the number of tickets each PSL, excuse me, each PSL owner has, located in every other row with at least two seats between groups. And then she writes, the expectation is that fans will be attending games with family members and close friends. The seats selected will only be for the 2020 season and the tarps that were on for the first eight rows of the stadium for week one will remain in place. That's, you know, to be expected because the NFL is using that, of course, as uh, they're, or they might be using that as advertising space. And then also obviously to 
keep fans as far away as possible, you know, keep them as close to the action as possible, but keep them uh, at a at a good distance uh, between themselves and the players, obviously. Uh, so not surprisingly, uh, there will be no single game tickets this season. Uh, that's that's become the norm all across the NFL. I think a lot of these teams are using those uh, these groups of games uh, for when they allow fans. So there are no season tickets, uh, and fans can only requ- uh, can only transfer tickets to family and friends. But if tickets are posted through a resale site, they must be sold as a pod, not in separate pieces. So, for example, a PSL owner that has four tickets cannot sell the tickets as two sets of two. Um, and again, they'll get uh, they were getting more information today, and this is a process that will begin, or the seat selection will begin tomorrow, Thursday, and they will be under no obligation to purchase tickets with ticket holders still being given the option to carry over payments from this year to 2021. Uh, they also, Elaine also notes on here how uh, on Tuesday we saw the Atlanta Falcons also announced that they would have, uh, they would begin bringing in a limited number of fans starting with their week five matchup, which is of course against the Panthers on October 11th. So that means Carolina will play their first three games without any fans in attendance. Obviously, there were no fans week one at home against the Raiders. They didn't have any fans this past week against the Buccaneers. And, of course, there will be no fans in Los Angeles at the new SoFi Stadium. So, fortunately, again, they will have fans weeks four and five. And then at this point, I think you're going to start to uh, see a lot of fans um, as the, uh, or at least in terms of the, the number of teams in the league that are uh, letting fans back into the stadium. Really, the only the only two teams I could think of that are almost certainly well, actually, a number of teams. Because I mean, I was I was going to say the PA teams. I guess the California teams um, aren't bringing back fans. Obviously, and and this is in terms of um, you know the possibility of bringing back fans. Teams like Las Vegas and Washington have already said they will not have fans. At all this season, uh, the Carolina or the California teams are going to be tough. Uh, the Pennsylvania teams, the Steelers and the Eagles, there, it, it doesn't look promising. At least at this point, when fans will will be able to come back? At least there's no idea when. So at least the Panthers are in a good shape now that they're able to bring back fans uh, this early. And then of course the questions are going to be obviously the biggest question after uh, who gets let in as far as fans the next biggest question is uh what precautions are going to be taken at the stadium of course the panthers have um put up a bunch of signs uh they've been testing ways for fans to move around the concourse uh splitting concourses into two lanes uh going in opposite directions placing arrows uh to show the fans which uh which way to go fans of course will be required to wear face coverings uh, and hand sanitizer will be available throughout the stadium uh, the Panthers will implement a cashless approach for uh, or in the stadium and the team is offering the fans uh, the option of pre-ordering concessions by 5 p.m. two days before the game which is uh, pretty interesting a food and beverage option for $15 with an average savings of $20 can be ordered in advance which includes a rotating entree menu on a game-to-day basis, chips, candy, water, 
and a fountain soda. The order will be redeemed by using the barcode on mobile tickets and be and can be picked up by the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, alcohol. I know some people are going to be curious about alcohol. Alcohol per North Carolina state regulations will be available for purchase in the stadium, but not for pre-order and fans will only be allowed to eat and drink in their seats. Uh, and the Panthers team store is currently closed, but they're hoping it will be open later in the fall. So that's what's, uh, that's how the Panthers have been setting their guidelines for, uh, for COVID-19, which is interesting. And, um, again, the note here that the NFL allowing teams to gauge by themselves as far as coming, uh, doing fans, uh, some teams, oh yeah, the Giants and the Jets are, uh, another set of teams that won't have fans at all this season. While, of course, we've already had a few teams that have already had fans. The Dolphins, the Colts, the Browns, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Jaguars have already uh, had fans so far at the stadium. And again, come week four, we can add the Panthers to that list. And then the Falcons in week five when the Panthers go to Atlanta in week five. So some good news there. Uh, as far as fans going back to the stadium. So I uh, thought that'd be a good way to start start here. Just kind of give you guys the lowdown in, in terms of uh, what the status is right now with the fans and some of the precautions that the team is going to be doing here when they allow fans back in. Uh, and speaking of fans and checking out games, of course, even if you aren't able to make games, you can obviously always watch the games back with our friends at NFL Game Pass, where this season you can get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays, and you can see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place that you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes where you can go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films Archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Speaking of football not stopping, we're going to, of course, continue to talk about football. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Mike Davis, I think, here. In fact, we'll put a little fantasy spin into it, too. I'm gonna, We're going to take a look a little bit, actually, how some of these fantasy sites now are actually viewing Mike Davis. And we'll actually start with, uh, I mean, I have to start with our friends at four for four. I mean, I help contribute to four for four. So it makes all the sense in the world that I would start there. Uh, so Mike Davis, we'll start with four for fours rankings and we'll go with half PPR since that's kind of become almost the standard scoring uh, Mike Davis actually currently comes in as their number 30 running back. Obviously, Mike Davis is nowhere near Christian McCaffrey. We obviously know that. But slotting him in as, as a top 30 running back means they still have him as a uh, as a solid flex play. 
in week three. And uh, the Chargers, in fact, using four for fours, uh, schedule adjusted positional defensive ranking on their strength of schedule. The Chargers actually come in at 19th against opposing running backs. We've seen, uh, you know, Joe Mixon had a little bit of success in week one. And then uh, last week, you know, they've held the Chiefs offense in check a little bit. Uh, so obviously it wasn't a, a big breakout like in week one for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, but overall, so far, the Chargers have kind of been uh, middle of the pack in terms of uh, in terms of success against them by opposing running backs. And, you know, Mike Davis, we saw he had eight catches. So early, early thoughts, of course, from that game are that he's going to be utilized in the passing game. So if you're in a PPR league, he's going to get you uh, he's going to get you some points. Right. And, you know, um, the Panthers obviously are are excited about him. And uh, feel that he can be a, a solid, you know, a really good next man up with uh, with Christian McCaffrey out. You know, Mike or uh, Matt Rule has uh, been praising him quite a bit since Christian McCaffrey went down. There's even the talk too of utilizing uh, Curtis Samuel a little bit more as a uh, as a running back, which should be rather interesting. Obviously, he has the skill set for it, right? I mean, Curtis Samuel played running back at Ohio State, transitioned. And was drafted as a wide receiver uh, when he came out uh, when he came out of Ohio State and when the Panthers took him in the second round uh, a couple years ago. So the backfield and you know it does say something too that the Panthers haven't really gone after anybody or called up anybody at the running back position. So maybe that's their plan at the running back position is that Mike Davis is going to be the main guy here. But Curtis Samuel is, I mean, he got four carries last week, right? I mean, he was utilized a little bit as a running back, uh, so you can line him up in the backfield at times. Obviously, you can bring him in a uh, in a jet motion. So it's all about finding ways to get him the ball too, right? Because, I mean, the, the guy only had two targets, so he, he only ended up with six touches in, uh, in week two. While, of course, DJ Moore... And Robbie Anderson are over here combining for, what, 23 targets last week. So, got to try to get Curtis Samuel involved a little bit more. And again, that sounds like that could be uh, that could be the way to go in terms of what the Panthers could do with Mike Davis. So, again, 4 for 4 has him as, a, uh, as their number 30 running back. In their uh, in half point PPR among running backs, and you know for the hell of it for you fantasy guys out there, I'll run through their top twelve running backs for this week. They do have uh, Alvin Kamara as their number one running back against the Packers. Zeke Elliott number two against the Seahawks. Jonathan Taylor is their number three running back. Remember, Marlon Mack uh, is out for the season, and uh, Paris Campbell got banged up. So Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you know, the offense might start to go around him a little bit, you know, even with Naheem Hines there. Um, also, too, the Colts are playing the Jets this week, and we know the Jets absolutely stink, so uh, Jonathan Taylor should have some success. Derrick Henry is their number four running back against the Vikings. Dalvin Cook, number five, so both running backs in that game 
uh, in their top five. Miles Sanders they have at number six against the Bengals. Aaron Jones at number seven against the Saints. Nick Chubb at number eight against Washington. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at number nine against the Ravens. Josh Jacobs at 10 against the Patriots. Kenyon Drake at 11 against the Lions. And then the running back the Panthers are up against this week comes in at their number 12 position, Austin Eckler. So if you guys are uh, fantasy fantasy guys there, those are some name those are their top 12 and then uh, of course some interesting names as you go through Jarek McKinnon now should get a lot of action in San Francisco at number 14 James Robinson uh, is their 17th ranked back uh, so just a couple of names there for you guys to 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 note in case you are uh, if, or at least to get some fantasy talk in there but again Mike Davis there at number 30 on four for four if we look at uh, ESPN's fantasy ranking. Obviously, he was there uh, uh, among the top targets as well. And if we look at uh, ESPN's running back rankings, we will see and we'll look at, of course, uh, PPR here for running backs. Mike Davis slides in at number 23 for uh, ESPN. And of course, we can see kind of the full full panel of rankings as well uh, from from ESPN. So Mike Davis here, uh, looking at some of these guys. Uh, so guys like Matthew Barry, Eric Carabell, uh, Field Yates, they all him. Actually, all six of these guys have him as a top twenty-five running back. Uh, pretty much slotted between twenty-one and twenty-five. So just kind of gives you an idea where the ESPN guys have him. Uh, so pretty much means he's about a uh, a back-end uh, running back two uh, in the eyes of ESPN. I mean, again, Mike Davis is going to get the bulk of the carries, you know, the bulk of the opportunities in the backfield. Uh, Curtis Samuel should get sprinkled in there, but Mike Davis, we saw his catching ability on Sunday. We know he's... Uh, He's had some previous success in prior years. You know, 2019 obviously was a, a down year, but he's really worked his way up. So I, th I think he's going to do pretty well. You know, hopefully this offensive line can uh, can open up some holes for him. Um, but at least we know he can uh, swing out of the backfield and catch some passes there. So Mike Davis is a top 25 running back on ESPN. And then if we look at... Uh, We'll look at NFL.com's fantasy uh, as our third option here just to see where they have Mike Davis as well. And they have him at number 24. Uh, so pretty much a bunch of these running backs or, or a couple of these sites have him as uh, in, the, in a similar area, right? Top 25, top 30, uh, depending on the scoring too. You know, so that's that's about where uh, that sounds about right for Mike Davis, because, again, obviously not as talented as Christian McCaffrey, but at least he's got uh, he's got the catching ability. He can run the ball pretty decently, so he'll be enough, I think, as a, a back end RB2 or a, as a flex a flex option, excuse me, uh, for you guys out there that uh, if you happen to grab him. In fantasy, I know when uh, one of my actually 
both of my leagues that I've been focusing on. I actually did grab Mike Davis in both too, and I am probably going to start definitely at least in the one in the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, I'm definitely going to start Mike Davis because I needed some running back help bad. So Mike Davis being available at least for these couple of weeks uh, will help me out. So that'll be good. So a little bit of fantasy talk there. Uh, I want to wrap today up with uh, the interesting story, of course, from the Chargers, which of course affects the Panthers a little bit because they'll be facing these quarterbacks on Sunday. But a rather interesting story regarding why Tyrod Taylor did not play on Sunday against the Chiefs. But before we get into that... I want to let you guys know, too, that today's episode is also being brought to you by our friends at MyBookie, our old friends back with us. Invest in your intuition. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. So what happened with Tyrod Taylor on Sunday? Well, the report is that Tyrod Taylor's lung was punctured accidentally by the team doctor just before their game on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. The story from Adam Schefter reads, A Los Angeles Chargers team doctor accidentally punctured quarterback Tyrod Taylor's lung just before kickoff Sunday while trying to administer a pain-killing injection to the quarterback's cracked ribs, Coach Anthony Lynn told ESPN's Shelly Smith on Sunday. That's why Taylor did not start Sunday, and rookie quarterback Justin Herbert unexpectedly did against the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs in an arrangement that Lynn said will continue Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. So it's already been set. It will be Justin Herbert getting the start again, as expected, um, you know, we kind of thought even before this story, it was obviously a question mark whether Taylor would be back. But now that we know what's what's going on, uh, quite crazily here. Uh, but now we know that Justin Herbert will get the start again on Sunday against the Panthers. So now the Panthers know what they're going up against. They can prepare for Herbert, uh, so they could watch back that game against the Chiefs, and again, Justin Herbert had himself a good game, I mean, first career game, he had 300 yards, he had a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown in the first half, so, uh, really good performance for him, I didn't think he'd be this ready this quickly, and, I mean, again, obviously, we didn't expect him to, to start this early, uh, never would have thought it'd be because of this, too, so, really crazy, but fortunately, Schefter did say that Taylor's injury is not career-threatening, uh, or actually, Anthony Lynn said that his injury is not career threat, not career threatening. Adding that the uh, the doctor just made a mistake. Lynn said it happens. Tyrod's not angry, not upset. Uh, they said the NFL Players Association is uh, is investigating the medical mishap, according to the NFLPA ex- Assistant Executive Director of External Affairs, Georgia Tala. So rather crazy story here you know taylor was getting the uh the painkiller uh because you know he's been having some issues the, the chargers had previously said taylor suffered complications from an injection but i mean this is still uh this is still crazy you know again he's 
He got this, or he was getting these painkillers, of course, because he had suffered. He had actually suffered cracked ribs, two cracked ribs, during the first drive of their opener against the Bengals, uh, but ended up playing through the injury and didn't have an MRI till later that week. So, you know, credit to Taylor for for playing through it, and obviously he was going to be ready to go on Sunday, but boy, I don't know. That that's just pretty crazy, you know. We we had found that we had knew on Sunday that Taylor had to be rushed to the hospital on Sunday before the game, and that's why Herbert just had to up and be ready for the start. But uh, this story came out today, so it's rather crazy. Uh, again, everything that went on that Tyrod Taylor had his uh, lung punctured while getting the uh, the painkiller injection so he is out for Sunday so it will be Justin Herbert getting the start again for Sunday against the Panthers and you know as we saw on Sunday like I said Herbert had himself a, a pretty solid game and that was obviously against a really good team in the Chiefs now it's against uh, a team in the Panthers who you know the, the defense is obviously nowhere near the level of Kansas City's um, the, the secondary did play better on on Sunday against the Bucks. Dante Jackson had a had a strong game. Russell Douglas continues to be a a great fill in at the other cornerback position. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised at this point uh, if he keeps the starting job even when Eli Apple comes back. I, I mean, Russell Douglas has been playing well. You know, he's already among the team leaders in uh, in tackles. He um, you know, has shown pretty good coverage skills. So he, I would say he should stay as the starter even when, uh, when Eli Apple is able to come back. Actually, after this game, this is actually the last game that Eli Apple has to miss before he's eligible to come off injured reserve. But I think Rasul Douglas is going to still end up being the starter. But certainly the defense is a, a lower level overall than that of the Chiefs. So, you know, we'll see if the Panther or if the Chargers can have success. Um, you know, I'm going to say the same thing I said last week going up against the Bucks. I mean, it's about getting after the quarterback, especially now that you're going up against a, uh, a rookie quarterback. You know, Justin Herbert didn't really face a lot of adversity on Sunday. So if the Panthers can rattle him a little bit, you know, let's see what this kid can do now that uh, he could be facing some adversity in the NFL. Because even still... Even in college, you know, you could argue he obviously didn't see too much of it because Oregon, of course, was always a uh, a top program. But you know, he still had his uh still had his moments that he had to fight through. But this is obviously a different level. So if the Panthers can get some pressure on him, let's see how uh let's see how this kid responds. And flip side, as I've said before, that Panthers offensive line. I mean, they've got to protect Teddy Bridgewater. Otherwise, Joey Bosa and Melvin, Melvin Ingram might tee off on Teddy Bridgewater. So those are the those are the battles that the Panthers have to win if they want to win this game against the Chargers. Uh, but we'll certainly talk a lot more Chargers in the next coming days. Of course, we got crossover Thursday coming tomorrow, getting you ready for Sunday's game. And then Friday, I'm going to have Michael Peterson 
from Bolts from the Blue, the SB Nation Chargers blog. Uh, he'll join the pod on Friday to give us some more insight on the Chargers. I hope you guys are uh, will join us, join me for those episodes later in the week as we continue having a, a, a great week here. Week three of the NFL season, uh, already one-eighth of the way through the season. It's already... Uh, it's going quick already, but it's been a fun ride so far. So one last piece of news before we get out of here, and that's a quick look at Wednesday's injury report for the Panthers. Five players were listed on the initial injury report for week three here for Carolina. Two players did not practice, and they were two players that are, you know, were expected, you know, still dealing with the injuries that kept them out of Sunday's game. That's Dennis Daly still battling that ankle injury. And then K1 Short still with a foot injury. Yitor Grossmados, of course, was the other player that was out on Sunday. Uh, but he was actually limited in practice on Wednesday. So he actually returned to practice in some capacity after, of course, being in the concussion protocol on uh, last week. And then two other players were limited with injuries. That includes Brian Burns, listed with a thigh injury. And then John Miller, listed with an ankle injury. And a groin injury. So it'll be interesting to see how he does uh, throughout the rest of the week. As the Panthers really can't afford any more injuries along the offensive line. I mean, Dennis Staley, you've already lost him for the first couple games of the season. He was expected to be your starting left guard. So Michael Schofield is in there. Uh, You lose John Miller, then you've got some shuffling around to do. You know, maybe you... Maybe move somebody out to guard. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Taylor Moten kicks into guard, and you put Greg Little at tackle. Uh, maybe Tyler or you know Tyler Larson, of course, can play guard as well. So you know you could slot Larson at right guard. So it'll be interesting to see how John Miller practices the rest of the week. But again, you're already seeing question marks on there. Uh, they did at least get one more player back uh, in terms of the offensive line as Chris Reed was actually taken off of the COVID-19 reserve list and was activated to the 53-man roster as the Panthers did, of course, officially place Christian McCaffrey as expected. He's going to be out multiple weeks, and with the short-term IR of only three weeks, they were able to do this. So Christian McCaffrey was officially placed on IR today, and Chris Reed was taken off of the COVID-19 reserve list and was added to the 53-man roster. So a little bit of extra depth now, uh, but certainly still some questions now that John Miller is a little bit banged up. But again, it's early in the week, you know, still time for him to bounce back. So we'll see what happens. But those that's just kind of the news. And again, the big story with uh, fans being back for uh our fans will be allowed back starting October 4th about 5200 50, fans will be allowed for the October 4th game against the Cardinals and hopefully more fans as the season wears on. So with that, I'm going to get out of here. I think that's a good place to stop. We got a lot of good notes in. I uh, appreciate you guys as always tuning in and uh having some fun with me, making me a part of your day. Uh, as always, have a great rest of your day, great rest of your Wednesday. Hope to see you here tomorrow for Crossover Thursday. Always a fun time, so be on the lookout for that. We'll hit you up tomorrow. Until then, I am signing off. Take care, my friends. We will see you soon.